So after we usually do my teaching, um, then afterward we would then afterward uh, actually have questions and answer also as well. Okay. Um, to re recap uh, for everyone, uh, just recapping what we've been looking at for this series that's a little bit different um, is we've been looking at um, just economics. The first part we looked at is the Bible actually talk a lot about we mentioned that we must, uh, so our first part, this is our third part of our series, just to recap for everyone. Um, our first part, we looked at how God teaches that the physical is also important. Um, when we say that, we don't mean that it's only physical. It's all about money or life. We also saw that the Bible teaches that um, we must put the spiritual first. But spiritual doesn't mean that we don't care about responsibility, right, of taking care of family, of taking care of, for instance, doing a good job at work, or, or even uh, trying to... Uh, improve ourselves in terms of our business or in terms of our work to get paid more and therefore also the Bible teaches that in light of this we, we take care and we love people by taking care of family and even being generous also as well okay so being generous um, last week we looked at um, the second week which was last week was we looked at Proverbs in the Bible I think when we teach from Proverbs it actually teaches um, a form of capitalism what I mean by capitalism is people exchanging good voluntarily without force um, but then we do that by you know we don't steal we don't um, use force we don't use bribery and I think in light of that that's actually the classic definition of of capitalism but it also said that uh, corporatism is not the uh, is biblical and all that okay so we've looked at that um, because today I think there's a lot of discussion about many things in terms of politics and today we're gonna look at really the in terms of economics is the issue of supply and demand and interventionism. Um, the reason why we're going over this, I think as we go over, now today the PowerPoint is rather a bit incomplete, but I think it is important. Uh, we looked at it because I think sometimes um, we want to help people. Uh, we want to very sincerely help people, but I also think sometimes when we help people, we also need to, um, having a right heart, uh, God wants us to love God with what? All of our mind, soul, and will, and strength, yes? We see many passages, especially uh, in the Old Testament also. Sometimes people think, oh, Old Testament is all about law, and New Testament is all about um, love. But actually, even the Old Testament, the Old Testament mentioned the word love even more than even the New Testament. And it mentioned about loving God with all, all of your being more. So having a right heart that is an emotion of compassion is one half. But I also think sometimes, um, even as a pastor, uh, I know a lot of times people uh, in dealing as a pastor, and I know even within the midst of us today is even, for instance, like uh, people sometimes could go through addiction, right? We not only have, should have a right compassion, but sometimes we also need to be a bit wise, yes, in how we help people um, with their specific situation. So the fine line between helping someone and enabling a problem is very, very tricky, yes? We all agree. So I think part of it, even as we look at things, we I think we need to understand perhaps what the Bible teaches about the world works and the reality of even things such as uh, money and supply and all of this. Okay, um, let's go on to the next part. Let me go on. Okay, um, have you ever asked your uh, have you yourself or others around you say things like, "Oh, prices are evil." You know, we should set a law to lower prices, or things should be exp uh, should not be expensive. There should be a law against it. Okay. Uh, anyone ever feel like, oh man, you don't have enough money? Anyone? Raise your hand. I, am I the only one? <laughs> I think we all do, right? We all do, okay? Um, while I don't think, uh, you know, obviously we like things to be as cheap as possible. I think everyone w believes that. Even even the most die-hearted capitalists, uh, when it comes to them buying things, they want to buy things at the most cheapest, right? Even if they want to set the price at the most highest possible. We all like this um, idea. 
But I also want to go over this and saying that sometimes there's a lot more going on because I actually think when we talk about some of these things, sometimes people could actually say, okay, well, if everything is expensive, we need to set things lower prices. We should set things lower prices. But I think when we try to force things, sometimes it could actually cause more damage or a bad outcome in and of itself, okay? Um, so this Bible study is, is to me is one of the harder ones for me to try to explain, okay? Um, I think yes, last week was easier, the last two weeks. This one's a little bit harder. Um, but we want to look at this um, just so that, you know, we want to be careful even when it comes to things, politics. I think sometimes people can be very sincere, um, but yet also end up causing more damages, okay? So I think part of the is sometimes why things are expensive. It's not just only because there's evil people out there price gouging. I think sometimes there is that. Um, but I actually think price gouging in a, a wrongful way where, um, sometimes could also be more, there's government involvement, right? There's corruption and monopolies and stuff. But I also think sometimes the reason why things are very, very expensive is just the reality is that um, we don't have everything. Uh, there's not everything we can get, okay? So part of it is I also think when we come to things like politics or when we come to election or when we come to even like our own reason, I, I think one of the reasons this is very helpful for me is also helping me because I think all of us could struggle with envy, right? Maybe God has allowed us. We came from a place that's very, very poor, very rough, but then we, we come to the next level. Then we see someone, our friend, that's more affluent or wealthy. And I think for me, it helps me see in light of how things work and say, okay, even if I don't, I could praise God that they're more affluent than I am and there's no room for envy. And one of the things that helped me to be less uh, jealous and all that is actually understanding maybe even a biblical view of economics. It's actually, so in some sense, it's actually good for my sanctification also as well, okay? Um, so let's go on to the next slide, Victor. Um, like I said earlier, um, of all the teaching of this year, I think this is uh, that I've taught. This is probably the hardest thing for me to teach. It's, it was so hard that for me, I, I felt like um, I, I couldn't really complete the whole outline. Do I have things or, or not the outline, the outline and the PowerPoint, okay? Um, but it's the hardest thing to, to grasp. Um, with, but I think there's as we go over, you'll see that there's some truth with what I'm trying to say with this, okay? Um, so today we'll explore the teaching of the Bible to see the role of prices in light of supply and demand and is reality, or how it is reality. Also, the problem of government intervention with price setting, okay? Um, with this, okay? And let's go on to the next slide. Okay, so the points I'm going to look at is just two points. Um, the Bible indicates that there is supply and demand. And also, I think the Bible teaches there's not actually socialism. What I mean by socialism is not like you and I helping, but also that the idea that uh, you could take something from every anyone and just give it uh, to someone else totally okay I do believe there is taxes okay I do believe the Bible teaches taxes but I think there is as we go over um, there could be things uh, there could be a concept in the Bible that teaches where things could be too much taken away from others okay so understand what I'm trying to do is I'm not trying to teach something extreme okay I'm not teaching overthrow even even if you think it's over um, the, if your everyone's view is different of how much the government takes too much uh, I'm not advocating anything crazy, but also I think what I'm trying to say is when we teach what the Bible teaches how reality works, hopefully we could come to a more balanced and informed view of and biblical view of how we see things in our world and decisions that we make, okay? So let's go look at the first one. Uh, the Bible does indicate there is supply and demand. Okay, let's go to the next one. Next slide. Uh, so I just want to go over this real quick. The law of demand, this is probably 
uh, you know, um, is something that is reality that sometimes we don't really perhaps think about often, okay? Um, the, and it's really made a law of supply and demand is the reality I think we need to establish is that we don't have a lot of everything, true or not. There's always things we want more. Uh, how many of us today, even today, thought, okay, I, I want more of this or that, okay? I'm not saying greediness, but it's just a reality. Uh, sometimes we, we, there's things we want, right? We want the next meal, okay? Um, we want to eat food, for instance, okay? But is there, is there, in this world, is there infinite amount of supply of everything? What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, there's not an infinite. Say again. Salt, okay. My wife says uh, maybe there's infinite amount of salt. But even, yeah, even with salt, when you think about it, it also costs money because it takes someone. We don't live near the beach, right? Um, even then, uh, I, I like what Mrs. Burton said, right? Peace and quietness, okay? There's many things. Some things we get, um, we have to get from the Lord directly. Peace and quietness, right? The Bible teaches that um, we get peace and quietness um, through the Lord and not even our circumstance. Actually, when you look at Philippians, Paul talks the most about rejoice more than any other book. But if you look at Philippians, the book of Philippians was written when Paul was where? Externally, he was in a very uncomfortable place. He was in a jail. In fact, um, Philippians, though it's a four-chapter short book, uh, mentioned the word joy more than other. If you remember Philippians 1, he's actually, what, is in prison. So there's some things we go to God, and sometimes God gives us certain things through intermediary, through through others, not... um, not medi- or, or mediated through others, okay? For instance, when God supplies for our needs, for our bread, for our daily food, um, He doesn't just, uh, when we pray, uh, God, the means that God says to provide is we must pray for our daily bread, but also we go out there to get what? To work and to do things to be able to provide what? The needs for others. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so there is not an infinite amount of everything. Um, some things that are good uh, is for free, true or not. Um, air or oxygen, there's quite a lot of oxygen. Uh, of course, it goes up and down, you know, depending on weather and um, environment and what many pollution there is. But we generally don't pay money for oxygen because why? There's plenty enough, right? No one needs to charge it, that kind of thing. But then there's some resources that we need for life that is not as plentiful, such as water, yes? Do we pay for water? Actually, we could pay pretty expensively because we live in where? In Southern California. Uh, it's probably more expensive than, say, Kansas, where there's more rain there, okay? So the law of demand says that at... Um, so I'm just going to read this part here. I've, I hope to illustrate a little bit of this. Um, the law of demand says that at higher prices, buyers would demand less of an economic good, okay? The law of supplies also says that at higher prices, sellers will sell more of an economic good. And these two laws interact to determine the actual market price or value of good that are traded, okay, in a market, okay? So this is the rule. I'm going to be able to later on show that scripture also, you see indication of that and, and teaches that reality, okay? Um, I think this is very important to realize because sometimes when we want to help, um, it's not enough just to pass laws and say, hey, everyone have free this or that. What we actually need to do is actually increase the amount of supply for something, okay? Um, and how do we encourage that? is perhaps maybe very different than just saying, hey, you must give this or else, okay? Does that make sense? Um, let's, uh, and I think maybe uh, just another example of supply and demand is this. Um, how many of you guys like driving? Uh, anyone like driving? I think most of us, because we live in LA and Los Angeles, California, probably don't. 
Um, but I kind of do. Uh, ever since I was 18, um, I just, even when I was, uh, different times in my life when I was a kid, I always dreamed like, oh, I can't wait just to drive, okay? Now, I love driving. Uh, and of course, to drive, I need to buy gas, right? But is there an infinite amount of uh, resources of gas? What do you guys think? Anyone could unmute and say, is there an infinite amount of source of gas? Could I just waste no. it? Yeah, no. That's a good point, okay? And we know it's very limited, right? Um, but how do I know about if it's limited unless there is what? The, the way that the people that produce oil need to let me know, hey, there's not a, a lot of oil, uh, gas is what? by raising costs if I'm spending too much. Does that make sense? So there is a place where, um, even as Christian, I do think we need to take good care of our environment. And part of it is stewardship of realizing how much resources we have. And one of the ways this is important is because, let's just say, you say, okay, you know what? Everyone should need gas to drive very far to work. And we should, we should love it. But then you say, you make gas free. Does that really help everyone? Or does that hurt everyone? Probably hurt people in the long run. Does that make sense? Because if you say gas is all free, then the guys that make the gas, they don't have incentive. Why go out there to find gas and, and do the hard work of pumping it, all, all that? So then they stop, which means there's less. And also, if you make it totally free, then people could waste, okay? People could waste. Um, I was just reading even earlier, uh, just an example, how someone, um, you know, there used to be in the past, um, when they first had nuclear power energy, they had in one town totally free energy. Right, but then they start realizing, hey, um, people are using a lot of energy because people could live at home, turn the light on, and every room they have the light on, right? Because um, it's free. But then even if they're not using it, but then if they start setting the price to say, hey, it costs you because it's not like there's a lot of energy, electricity, then they start what being able to be more frugal. Okay, so in a sense, supply and demand also means that prices is not necessarily always a bad thing. It's a way to tell people, hey, we don't have a lot of this. Oh, and it's limited. That makes sense. Let's go on to the next slide. So all this is to say, let's go through the Bible, okay? The most important thing is the Bible. So when we look at the Bible, the Bible actually teaches that there's we have many things that cannot um, that we we want so many things that in our hearts we can never be truly satisfied just only looking at things, okay? Again, this is a spiritual lesson still. This is a Bible le lesson still, okay? In terms of physical things, we will always have wants and needs, okay? And this is actually a big point of what we even said earlier, that we need to ultimately look to God, not just material things. We need to be wise with material things, but ultimately our need must be met in who? In God and in Christ, okay? But for now, let's turn with me to Proverbs 27, verse 20. If Christopher, if you'd be able to read Proverbs 27, verse 20 for me. Proverbs 27, verse 20. Show and abandon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of men. Yeah, I love this verse because this verse is not saying this is a good thing, but it's, uh, it's a lot of times Proverbs is making an observation about what people are really like, if that makes sense, okay? Um, obviously, we must look to God. I think um, it's only to looking to God do we find our ultimate satisfaction, amen? Um, but if we look only towards things, and, and there's a sense we do need to look and be realistic about life. We need to look at things and say, hey, I need this to provide for my family, etc., but here it also teaches the reality is that our eyes will never be, what, satisfied, okay? Uh, we look all around, we want this, we want that, okay? Um, by the way, the whole advertisement industry is run upon the premise that our human nature, um, we always want more than what we could, what, have, okay? And this verse says, what, our eyes are never satisfied. Um, there's always more things we want, more than what, 
we could get okay um, by the way just as a uh, this is to make this pastoral this is not just an economic lesson i think for me um this is helpful for me studying these things too is also realized i think of our life i think most of our life we're always trying especially when we're younger and we start our career we feel like okay once we arrive we would get this whatever we want but then when we finally get there when we have a bit more money we discover oh we still don't have what enough true or not right um, every pay raise have you guys ever realized every pay raise we still feel like oh there's still more things in other that we could do or want to do and not not all those things are sinful some of those things are good things for instance like we want to take care of our kids college funds right we want to be able to provide good things for our kids quality things uh, school items uh, a quality education uh, that kind of source okay so I think part of me realizing that we always have more demand that would be satisfied. I think it helps me realize that too because um, as we get older, we could easily be bitter saying, how come there's all these things I don't get and I look at all these people, they got all these things. But I think part of nature is also, hey, even if they get things, certain things that I don't have, it's also true for all of us. It makes me relate to them too. Say, hey, we don't always get everything fully so that even by the point where really, oh, we need to realize, you know, as our lives go on, the amount of things we demand, the amount of things that we want, that we didn't fully get, will increase. But it, we could either make us bitter, or we take it spiritual and give it to the Lord. Yes, we work hard to try to satisfy some of those things. Some of those things are godly. Some of those things are Christian liberty. It's not right or wrong, but God allows it, okay? Uh, with that, as, as just part of His gr gift and grace in His life. But also realize, A, what the verse teaches. Um, we have demands of things that can never be fully tr satisfied. The verses says what? The eyes of man are what? Um, nor are the eyes of man are fully satisfied. Okay? So that's the rule of economics, right? We have all these demands, but there's a limitation. Let's go on to the next slide. Um, is this next slide or same thing? Okay. Uh, actually, go back to the next slide. I think I'm uh, wrongly worded it. Um, turn with me real quick to Proverbs 20 verse 14. Uh, Proverbs 20 verse 14. Uh, when we turn to Proverbs 20 verse 14, uh, if I could have um, Brother Caleb, would you be able to read Proverbs 20 verse 14? Proverbs 20 verse 14. Whenever you're ready to read it, my brother. Actually, uh, that is a wrong verse. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'll hold hold a quick, guys. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, and what I was looking for, actually, uh, Victor, if you could go to the next slide, uh, two slides away. I accidentally miss. I moved to the wrong place. Um, about there are limits of resource during different times in our lives. We can go next. Okay. There are, with that, okay. I want to just show you that in, you know, part of scripture also teaches that there's, 
we don't always get everything. There's always limitation of things, right? And the worst kinds is usually what? When there is a famine, right? There's a famine. There's not enough, okay, uh, of things, okay? If you guys could turn with me real quick to um, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24 to 29. Now, this one is a little rough passage, but it's still part of God's Word. But I think it shows the reality that sometimes there is limitation of resource. Sometimes our limitation of resource is generally still, like, sustainable or we think it's it's still a good thing we don't get um everything we want but wouldn't it be great to have more but there's times where it could be very desperate in different times in history in different location second kings uh 6 24 to 29 i'm going to read this okay second kings chapter 6 verse 24 to 29 this is i mean this is a horrific this is a horrific passage okay now it came about after this that a bit uh, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, gathered all his armies and went up and siege, besieged Samaria. Well, let me stop here real quick in Samaria. Um, Samaria, uh, just to put in context, oftentimes as Christians, we always hear the word Samaritan, yes? Um, I always like the example, you know, I, our, when I teach little kids, uh, I ask them, hey, what's a Samaritan? You know, the story of the Good Samaritan. And most of the time, the little kids will say something like, oh, Samaritans are people that do good things, right? You guys ever hear that? Because we hear the term, what? Good Samaritan. Um, Samaritans, uh, if you know the background, is often the people that were ethnically mixed Jewish, and then they were mixed of like other uh, kind of people group, right? Um, that were not Jewish. Um, the Jews and Samaritans in history did not get along um, because they're, the Samaritans believe only in the first five books of the Bible, and then they twist a lot of other things that's not necessarily what uh, the Jews taught in the Bible, okay? Um, but they didn't get along, and it was both ways. They both fought each other and all that stuff. So when you see here about Samaria, this is actually not talking about those Samaritans, because those Samaritans was actually a couple of hundred years after this story, okay? Samaria at this time was still Jewish. It was a uh, Jewish land. Um, so here you see there's a foreign army coming over and, and attacked it and besieged it. That is siege warfare, right? They surround the city. They burn all the crops. Everyone back then lived inside cities. People, you know how today you go to Midwest, people live in farms, like small little farms, big area, one house, a big barn. Back then they didn't do that. People actually lived all inside cities because there was wars that happened so often. People live in city early morning, then they go out to their fields. And everyone had different fields. But people didn't build their homes next to it because there was too much warfare, okay? So then these armies came. And in verses 25, let's see what happened. Over, uh, there was a famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for eight shekels of silver and a price of a cab of do uh, dove's dung for five shekels of silver, okay? So you see here because of war, is there scarcity? Yeah, there's not a lot of things. So guess what happened? Things got very, very what? Expensive, okay? Things got very expensive. I think what they're saying about donkey's head is talking about, for 80 shekels, is talking about as food, okay? Uh, as food. And I think why you might say, hey, why are they buying dove's dung, which is probably very little, right? Or bird poop, is probably using as, as some kind of light or, 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 or using as fuel to light things, to cook things, right? You still need fuel. So you look at this, this is pretty bad what? High cost, okay? High cost because what? There's war. There's scarcity, okay? Look at verse 26. As the king of Israel was passing on by, a woman cried out, saying, Help my Lord, O king. Verse 27, he says, If the Lord does not help you, from where shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? And then verse 28, I mean, this is pretty horrific. It says, What is the matter with you? The king said to her. And she answered, This woman said, Give me 
Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. Look how horrible it is, right? It's cannibalism is being suggested, okay? Again, I'm looking at this as to say that the reality of scarcity is seen all throughout the Bible, okay? The solution of this is not just to make laws, to say, hey, everyone should have three square meals a day. You could write that on paper, but if you actually don't focus on growing the economy, okay, uh, of, of some way being need, you could pass everything you want, and the reality is what? It would never be able to provide things for what? People, okay? Um... You guys, some of you guys know I was used to be in the military. Did you guys know that in Afghanistan, on paper, on paper, it actually is, on paper actually promises more, um, what do you call that, more health benefits than in America. Did you guys know that? Um, in Afghanistan, it actually promises that um, health uh, care is something that the government will provide, okay? Uh, it, it promises that government will provide. But the reality is there's also what? Is there a limitation? What do you guys think? Yeah, there's limitation, okay? Some places you could have a village clinic. There might, if there is, they could only have maybe two or three cots, right, laying down, and there's a shortage of that. There's shortage of that. Uh, when During my time when I was in Iraq, um, I remember, I'm so glad that a lot of things I did with the Marines was actually convoy of medical supplies, okay? I remember even just one time going to a place and there was a little like a mini riot, and then we just went there. But we went there because the clinic needed what? Medical supply. That was important. Otherwise, you could say you could provide all these things, but if there's not the supply there, right? If there's nothing to, to a mechanism to get supply, then guess what? You could never be able to provide. And that's why you see a lot of times in um, places, if the government promises something, pass a law, it sounds good, but then you don't pass laws that encourage businesses to grow in some ways to provide. What you end up happening is black market, right? You have black market. Um... Uh, with that then because pe there's not enough you say everyone must but then if you can't give to everyone then it's going to be what you're going to have this where people are trying to get it and it still have have to have some kind of pricing with this okay so i bring this to say this is what why we go over this is because as christian fortunately the bible never teaches uh that we have a right to say this is the what we want the government to do you guys realize that this is a privilege we have in the u.s okay so everything i'm teaching you is is really the mercy and grace that we have but I also want to say that as we see these things we need to be as Christians to be aware maybe of, of thinking about I don't I'm not gonna solve every problem tonight or even next week but even just aware that okay it's not just about laws wanting but how do we maybe have things that be able to encourage uh, our question in our mind frame should be how do we have things to encourage the increase uh, of uh, of goods and services okay um, Victor, if you're with the um, PowerPoint, um, if you could move backwards to uh, let me see. Real quick. I'm so sorry, um, Nancy. How do I make the screen with the PowerPoint? Okay. Oh, switch. No. Whoops. <laughs> no. Hold on. Are you guys still seeing share screen? Just want to ask you guys real quick. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, I lost it in the midst of talking excitedly, uh, <laughs> pressing everything. Okay. Um, what, what, what is the uh, PowerPoint? Victor, if you could go to the one, the PowerPoint where it says, it's okay, Nancy. Um, where it says uh, the title should be negotiation of prices. 
negotiation of prices is not uh, a sin, but life. You guys, you guys see that slide? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I want to look at this is because um, sometimes people could say, oh, you know, selling things is almost like sinful, it's selfish, and, and, and things like that. Um, but I actually want to look at Scripture. It does teach us that there is a place, there is a role of exchanging things, um, and there is a role of buying and selling things. Um, let me say this again. Could people buy things with a wrong heart? Yeah, you know, they're just coveting, money is their God. And that is not, that we should not have money as our God, right? Um, but at the same time, I think it is possible that we could make money to provide for our family, to maybe do goods to others, and even with prosperity, be able to what? Bless others, okay? Um, do we do that perfectly? No. But I want to emphasize, it is not in of itself, by very act itself, it's not necessarily a sin with, with the area of negotiation of prices, of getting the best deal, Okay. Um, if you look at the outline, um, the point here is people want to sell things at the highest po cost possible, right? Why? Because they want to be able to what? Uh, make a profit, right? You want to, whatever you pay, pay for whatever the thing you're doing. But also as well, more than that, is also you want to be able to maybe make some kind of living to get other things in providing. But also people want to do what? People also want to buy things at the lowest cost possible, okay? Lowest cost possible. Um, I don't think those things necessarily are wrong in of itself, but in the middle of uh, negotiating or, or of someone trying to sell something most expensive as possible and someone want to buy things as cheap as possible, I think maybe this is the fairest way, the, the process, negotiating of that, okay? I want to just show biblical support of that. Let's turn with me to Proverbs 20, verse 14. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 14. If I could have... Um, if I could have... Uh, Ben Warts, would you be able to read Proverbs 20, verse 14 out loud for me? Yeah. What you read earlier? Maybe you could read it again. Yeah, so notice this here is recording the process, right? Um, there's a negotiation going on, right? This person... Yeah, I think Proverbs oftentimes, um, Proverbs is doing many things, uh, does one, many functions. Sometimes it's telling us, hey, this is what sinfulness looks like. Um, and therefore, this is probably not what you want to do because it's kind of foolish or it's foolish. And other times I think Proverbs is just describing, hey, this is the way these things work. And this is for, uh, the, book, the purpose of the book of Proverbs is to teach us how do we walk loving God in relations to man and when we're in society. How do we live our day-to-day -day life if God is real? And part of it is also we need to realize how things, what in reality, um, genuinely and in actuality uh, work, okay? So Proverbs 20, verse 14, I think uh, what is going on here, in the context that we see earlier, it's talking about even things about um, those who are what? Basically lazy, right? If you do that, you would... Ne you will still be poor, you know. So I think it's talking about in relations to just living. Actually, I think it's economic. Verses 13, 14 is the, uh, and even 15 uh, is a focus on even how do we live in terms of what? Wealth, prosperity, and interaction of exchange of goods and services. So I think in, in that context, um, Ben Wartz, verse 15 is, is um, verse 14 here is describing um, the process of 
of you know when people are uh, buying they could say okay bad bad but when he gets it when he's by himself you know um, he's negotiating he's downplaying maybe perhaps the value of this okay this is um, this is where it has its disadvantage right everything has disadvantage and advantages right Okay, you're coming in broken, Ben. Okay. Yeah, sorry, Ben, you came in broken. Ben, you asked a very good question because... Ben, could you type? Could you type? Oh, just because I... Am I the only one... So the bi biggest thing is, could you guys still hear me? Is it my end? Jen, could you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, but it's Ben that's coming in over. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, uh, I love Ben's. Qu okay. Yeah. Okay, am I hearing that too? Okay, sorry. Okay. So, going back on with this is, uh, I think Ben asked a good question, is just so that we see its context, that what I'm teaching is not, I'm not trying, my goal, my intention is not trying to force, you know, my own economic, political view into the text, but even contextually, this is what it is talking about. There is a place of exchange, okay? By the way, just to let you guys know, I think today's climate is ne not necessarily everyone believes this is a good thing, okay? Uh, not necessarily everyone believes it's a good thing. In fact, there are people, um, even political view, thinking that uh, pricing and all this is, is like a totally bad thing. You guys know in history, there was a time they actually banned this? Are you guys aware of this? That there was a very big experiment um, uh, in Russia, in Soviet Union, where they actually banned the idea of even money, exchanging of things to find out rates and everything, right? And they found out that that didn't what work. So after 1920, they even within within it, they kind of stimulated making things like there's still money, currency, and everything to exchange things. Um, just so at least we could kind of gauge what. Um, what do you call it? Scarcity, limited resource, and that kind of thing, okay? Um, let's go back on. Um, let's look at another one. If you guys could turn with me to 2 Samuel 24, verse 24, okay? 2 Samuel 24, 24. 2 Samuel 24, 24. Uh, if I could have Mrs. Burton, would you be able to read 2 Samuel 24, 24? Sure. All right, 2 Samuel... Burnt offerings to the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. 
So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Yeah, thank you, Mrs. Byrne, for reading that. Uh, in the context of Second Samuel 24, this is actually the end of, uh, of the book. Um, the purpose of Second Samuel is to show that what God has done for King David, of how God picked King David would be the line that will eventually be where the Messiah, our Savior, will come from. And part of that is also, it also shows that, what even with First and Second Samuel, that um, David wasn't fully perfect. But at the same time, there's a lot of things he did that was right. Here in the context is he's going to be buying land. Uh, he wants to get, or he wants to acquire land. Land that eventually will be what? Um, that will be the building of an altar. Okay. Now he wants to honor God. Yes. He wants to honor God by building an altar. But when he saw this land, this land originally was not his. Did he just go ahead and siege it as a king? Did he just say, oh, I'm the government and therefore it's okay for me just to grab it? No, instead, because he wants to honor God with his heart, he actually talked to this man. Okay. Um, in verse 21, the man, Aruna, said, you know, why have you come over? And then he says, hey, I want to buy this land. And then uh, verse 22, even offered and said, hey, you know what? Um, you know, verses 23, he wants to give it to the king. But the king said what? Because uh, he want to give it as a blessing because this is a king that God has accepted. But even then you see um, David does purchase it. Now, let me say this. Um, this ver do not look at this verse and say you should never receive any gift. Everything you should pay for. Obviously, as Christians, we believe there's some things that we should accept as a gift. Namely, what? Our salvation. Amen? Our salvation is a gift from God. It's free. We did not pay. The purchase was all paid. Our salvation was very costly, but it was not paid by us. It was paid by Christ. We just receive it as a gift. Okay? But at least this verse one I wanted to show is there is a place for what? Negotiating a price and purchasing something also as well. Okay? So, um, I know that even in times, there's different times as pastors and people that have also asked me before too saying hey should i go into business i feel very it's very sinful right um is it good i should i be a pastor or should i be a businessman but i feel like i really like doing business and and, and that kind of realm is it an ungodly desire and i would actually say you know what um being a pastor is it godly could you honor god being a pastor yes by the way could you dishonor god being a pastor yeah, there's some pastors that could be... By the way, even a godly pastor, there's times it does not glorify God. Because of what? Because of sin within us, okay? Um, but at the same time, I think every occupation is godly, okay? there We could honor God in every sphere. But each sphere, each job could present its own what? Temptations, right? Could, it be God, could we be godly being an engineer? Victor, do you think it's possible? Being an engineer for God? Victor just gives thumbs up, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. Could we be godly being pharmacists? Yeah, I think so, okay? I think it is possible. Um, so every sphere, even business, the when it comes to negotiation of price and everything, I think it is a godly thing. Turn with me real quick to another one. Matthew 26, 9. Matthew 26, 9. Again, what I'm trying to say is the idea of sales or negotiation of prices is not a bad thing in of itself. Um, with that, okay. Let's go to Matthew 26, verse 9. When we turn there, could I have, um, could I have, uh, Christopher, would you be able to read that again for us? Matthew 26, 9. For this could be, it could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. Yeah. 
If you guys know the context, this here is spoken by Judas, okay? Judas is, of course, one of Jesus' followers. Um, and here he, of course, we know he's going to be one of those that betray who? Uh, Jesus Christ, okay? Jesus Christ. But it's not going to sell someone for silver. <laughs> yeah, betrayed him for silver, okay? Now, when I say there's a place for economics and exchange, I'm not saying everything that you do is good, okay? Um, obviously, if you buy a hitman, kill someone, that kind of thing, that is a ungodly and wicked thing that God doesn't approve, okay? But we can't then say all of it is prohibited um, of all exchange. Verses 9 in the context is, um, you know, there's a woman in verses 7, she's pouring out, what, very costly perfume, right, onto Jesus. And the disciples were like, hey, this is wasting. Why can't we help the poor? Um, and then even they were saying what? Um, actually, it's not Judas. I'm so sorry. Um, it, it's the disciples saying, hey, we could have sold this for a high cost and help the poor. And notice Jesus, when he corrects them, he doesn't say, hey, that's a wrong thing you're doing. You know, the idea of um, selling things for make as much high possible profit to use it for other things or to help the poor. But rather, he points it out in perspective. They say, hey, you know what? It's, you know, he's being worshipped, right? He's being worshipped. But I'm bringing it up is to say that, um, it, what I'm trying to say is that there is a place for the exchange of goods and services, okay? With this, now, I want to go now to the next part, which we don't have a PowerPoint presentation, uh, is I want to look at this theme of saying, okay, in light of this, um, is there such a thing where, you know, we could get the government involved and we could do, yeah, regular screen now, Victor, okay? Um, is there a place for um, the government to be involved um, with helping people? I think there is a place, but it's also very tricky, okay? It's very tricky um, also as well. But I want to begin first by saying is, um, is... Does that mean, in light of all this, also some people would object, and I'm now dealing more with an objection, some, uh, bringing up of saying, hey, is, does that mean, um, in government helping people, it, could the government actually take anything and all things from you all the time um, to give? It, or And sometimes there's an assumption that there should not be an idea of even private property, or people could own things, okay? And one passage that people sometimes quote, to say, okay, we could have things like a government that is maybe more Marxist or socialist, okay, um, is they would use uh, Acts 5, okay. Let me make it very clear. I think there is, a Christian must be very, very generous, okay. Uh, Christian must be very, very generous. I think uh, uh, being a pastor, it's um, my wife and I, we live almost like a, what, glass uh, house, right. Uh, people know how much we make because why? You guys vote for my uh, or all the members of our church vote for my what, my, my salary. True or not? People know how much we make. Okay, uh, I don't think we make the most, you know, or, or even the market rate, quote unquote, or market value uh, of the average pastor in California. But at the same time, um, you know, my wife and I, I think we give pretty reasonably. Okay, uh, we give about twenty-five percent of our income to the work of the Lord. 10% uh, to our local church, um, then 10% to mission, and 5% is to missionaries that are not related to our denomination or our church at all. I just feel we, you know, just not to be partisan. There's guys I love, okay? Um, when I do this, I also am not saying you guys should. Does that make sense? I'm not telling you guys, hey, if I do this, you guys all must exactly give the same. No, everyone's life is different. There's Christian liberty with that. 
So I want to make this clear as to say that I believe in being generous, but I also think when we say, hey, there's everything, um, people could take whatever people have, and there's no such thing as private property that you could hold some back. I also think that it's not fully biblical too. Does that make sense? And some people use that and say the government could take anything and all things from people. And one of the passages some of these people use is Acts 5, okay? Acts 5, do you guys know the story of Ananias and Sapphira? You see this passage? Turn me Acts 5, okay? Um, Acts 5, um, people would look at that and say, okay, therefore, if you look here, um, in the beginning part, uh, you know, these people, they were selling everything that they, what? That they, uh, you know, people were selling things, a lot of things, to be able to what? To be able to help others, okay? To be able to uh, live together, okay? In fact, look with me uh, first, if you're in Acts 5, look with me in um, Acts, Acts 4, verse 36 and 37, okay? Now, Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translates son of encouragement, verse 37, who encouraged a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So apparently, as we see that people were, what, selling things. We see this in verses 34 to 35, too, of Acts 4, the previous chapter. To, because at that time, there were a lot of new believers. Do you remember Acts 2? That was the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. Fifty days after the Passover, people gather again to celebrate. Okay, While they're celebrating, worshiping God, people coming from all over, they heard Peter preach an amazing sermon, the birth of the church. The Spirit descended and many people got saved. Praise the Lord. Amen. We praise the Lord for that. But while they're there, reality of economic reality fit in. How do you feed a church? There's 2,000 people there. There are a lot of them were what? People that were what? They don't live there, so they don't normally work there. They normally don't have houses, but they still got to eat to learn about Jesus Christ in, in this church. So what did they end up doing? They met up, and therefore to feed everyone that was there, all these disciples, people that lived there, sold their land and everything to be able to what? To take care, an act of generosity. So it's in that context that in Acts 5, you could read that and then therefore say, Oh, therefore everything, you must give up everything. Yes, but let's go on to verses 5. Does that mean that there's no such thing at all? That you cannot ever hold anything back? So here Ananias and Sapphira, you see their wife is Sapphira, the husband is Ananias. In verses 1, they sold a piece of property. But in verse 2, they kept some of it back. Okay, And if you remember, they got, uh, what happened to them is what? Um, they, God did not approve of it. And guess what happened? They were struck dead. And some people say it would say, use this verse. And when I was in UCLA, people actually argued with me with the Spartacus, uh, not Spartacus. I forgot the name. It's not called Spartacus. It's one of the, uh, um, they're like the Maoist um, student uh, group there. They were arguing with me and saying, okay, see, you Christian must be, uh, believe there should not be private property. Uh, I think Victor was there before. But the problem was not because they held it back, okay? Because if you look with me in verses 4, uh, so verses 3, the condemnation is exactly what someone uh, typed up earlier, is that they lied, okay? That they lied, they sold everything. They, in other words, is they're trying to act like, okay, everything they gave it up for the Lord. And verses 4, notice what Peter explained very clearly. It says, while we remain unsold, did it not remain your own? And afterwards, it sold, was it not under your control? Why is it you uh, conceived it in the deed uh, in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. So the main issue is not that they kept private property, 
is what the main issue is that they lied that they sold everything and looking like their virtual signal like they were really godly and gave up everything and it was as is very clearly explained that there is a place where people could still own things okay could still own things and therefore it becomes problematic um, when we so the main issue here in this passage is is not that they are what the issue is not that they didn't give up everything um, it's not as if Acts 4 and 5 teaches communism okay or full-on or socialism where you, anytime a group of people want something they could take there's no private property is the issue is that they're lying does that make sense that there's lying. But also, by the way, the Bible teaches in line of this also in terms of in terms of government and helping people. There could also be such thing as a government getting too much from people. Okay. If you guys could turn real quick with me to uh first Kings, okay? First Kings twelve. First Kings twelve. You guys remember the story of Rare Bone? Anyone want to unmute and tell me who is Rare Bone? If you guys remember from the Bible? Jeroboam and Rehoboam? Yeah. Yeah, good, okay. Um, if you remember, uh, 1 Kings, the way that it's divided in the Bible is 1 Kings 1-11, to uh, we see Solomon. But 1 Kings 12 onwards is the lives of his son. And also as well with the um, King Jeroboam who rebelled and they split the kingdom. And then they start, remember, by, at this point in first kings onwards there's now two kingdoms okay israel and judah i remember as a young believer when i was reading this i i didn't know so it got really confusing okay like anything after the history of first kings you're just kind of huh how come there's two kings what's what's going on okay so the kingdom split 10 tribes the northern tribe is now called israel and the lower two tribe is called judah okay now what caused the split is exactly in chapter 12 okay now the dad was solomon Solomon did a lot of building projects. Do you guys remember? The scripture talks about the glory days of Solomon, right? All these things. But now Rehoboam uh, says here they made him king in a place called Shechem. Chapter 12, okay? So notice here um, in verses, uh, what happened is the people speak in verses 3, 4, and 5, okay? Uh, what happened is they sent uh, and called him. And Jeroboam, an odd assembly, called and spoke to Rehoboam, Rehoboam, remember, is the son of David, uh, 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 Solomon, okay? This is what they said, Your father made our yoke hard. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, and we will, what, serve you, okay? Then he said to them, Depart from me, and uh, three days, and return to him. Now, look at the, uh, look, when he gets, what is, they're basically saying is, Could you be, be uh, as a government, as a next king, could you be softer on us, right? Take less of our things, uh, less forced labors, basically less taxation, okay? Um, were, were they good projects that the dad built? Yeah, the temple, things like that. But does that mean it goes on forever? Well, we see. The King Rehoboam says, give me three days. And he consults wisely in verses 6 with the elders. And the elders' advice was what? The wise men is what? Say, A, B, give them what they want. But then... This young man then consulted his friends. His friends' advice is what? You guys remember the story? Did they say, be nice? No, look at, look, I mean, look at this. I mean, this is crazy. Um, verses 10, right? 
the young men who grew up with him spoke, saying, Thus you shall say to the people who spoke to the people, Your father made our yoke heavy, now you make it lighter for us. But you shall speak to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's loin. Like, ouch. This is a really graphic. In some sense, it's kind of vulgar, too. He's saying, hey, my little pinky is even more thicker. In other words, he's saying he's going to be more heavy-handed, okay? This is a pretty, I mean, this is a pre- this is kind of an offensive way, okay? This is like cussing word, fighting words, if you will, so to speak, okay? Was that very wise? No, okay? In fact, we even see scripture um, when uh, Israel wanted kings, when Israel, when it was still United Kingdom, they wanted kings, right? When God was their king. Uh, and remember Samuel? They told Samuel. Samuel was like, what? And then God told him, you know what? T- you know, you got to let him know. If you want, you're going to have taxation, heavy, all this. I bring it up to say is there's such thing as sometimes taking too much. And there is such thing as private property and all this stuff, okay? I bring this all up as to say that I think a biblical view is we must be compassionate. Okay, I hope from my life that you guys know from how much we give, you know, some of you guys here are the church accountants, you know, the way we give, you know, is none of these things I'm teaching is telling people to be selfish. Okay, everyone believe me? My purpose of teaching this is not people don't give. Obviously, I'm a pastor We at a church where people give voluntarily. I do want people to give, not selfishly, but for the purpose that we could do the work of God, Right. Uh, we should do the work of God. We should give. So when I look at these pastors, I'm not telling you guys to not give, to be generous. But I'm trying to say is the way to help people is very important. Um, it's the role of the church and others. But sometimes with government, it might not be the most efficient. And when it's always take, 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 we could also be what? Uh, people lose the desire to want to do things and to help, Okay. Um, I'm going to end this in one last point. With all this, we look at scripture. What I'm teaching, I think, is very important. Because I also feel today, you know, um, there are people that go out there that advocate things. I hear a lot of, sometimes do hear people say things like, you know what, Um, we got to remove the economic system that we have today. Capitalism is bad. I think it's not perfect because people are not perfect. But I think it's also very dangerous when people say, let's remove everything. Um, and let's just have it where people could just take, take, take from others, okay, with government. Um, some of you guys know um, that a few years ago, I went to um, uh, taught in a country, small Southeast Asian country, that was infamous for having a Marxist form of government, okay? Everything I'm teaching, I think it, it is... Uh, it is very scary if we go against what Scripture teaches about these things where we say, hey, uh, private property people could seize no matter what in the name of helping. We also need to help things wisely, okay? One of the countries I'm involved in, and by the way, even with my mom, my mom, came, actually both mom and dad, came from governments that believe it could seize everything, seize everything in the name of helping the poor, okay? And I think actually, I actually think sometimes some of the people were sincere, but I think it just doesn't work. It actually is counterintuitive. People could have a lot of good intention, but the outcome could be very bad. In this country I went to, a third of the people were wiped out. Did you guys know? There's a country in this world through an economic system wiped out 30% of the population without a war. That's pretty horrific, 30%. So when I was teaching this country, it, the sad story was this. This country took over and says, we take over everybody's land. It's now everyone's. There's no such thing as private land anymore. Every farm is everything, okay? So let's just say before, each land per square feet made 100, uh, produce about 100 grain of rice. I don't know. I'm just giving as an example, okay? 100 grain of rice. 
before this government took over when everyone owned privately. But now they took over everything, okay? But then because of all the violence, people, some people ran away, okay? And they say, oh, everyone owns this. And because everyone owns it, therefore everyone should, we should make even more rice. Maybe we can make 110 grain of rice. But then that year came around when the harvest season, because of violence, because of war, and less people, the people that own it, ran away, okay? Uh, all those things. And guess what happened? They noticed, hey, the amount of rice come together was, let's just say, less. 70 grain of rice. Then the government saying, how come it used to be 100 when the system was bad under capitalism, but now how come under when everyone owns it, now there's 70? Why there's only 70 grain of rice? So then they went to the guys in the village and said, Hey, you were in charge. How come only 70? You know what? Because it's 70, it must probably mean that secretly you've been stealing this. So therefore, we are going to get rid of you. And by getting rid of, I'm not just saying moving. They're just gone. Game over. And then when they did this, guess what happened? The next guy that take over, is he going to be someone that's going to tell them, Oh, I have 70 grain of rice? What do you think? When he saw that the first person was, um, he wasn't just fired, he was just game over. Do you think that guy has an incentive to tell the truth if it's less or not tell the truth? What do you guys think? Well, if you were to be forced to be the boss, would you really want to tell the guy, hey, 70 grain? But let's just say that that year happens, and when that year happens, now it's even less. Because why? People's working, there's less food, people have less energy, okay? And then when they, when, let's just say he just hit 65. Is this guy going to tell the truth? Or let's just say it's even lo- less. It's 50 grain. But then he's going to lie. And he tells a big lie. Because he, he has to have it higher than 70. So his lie is to say, oh, you know what? We hit 90 grain. And then the government leader pat him on the back saying, very good leader. Very good leader. Since you made so much, we're going to take half of it. Okay? So there's still enough for you guys. And we can still have it. Okay? We're going to take 50. But the reality was there was only 60. So 60 minus 50 for the government, how much is left? 10. 10. Grain of rice per... So what do you think is going to happen? They're going to give it because this guy doesn't want his head to be gone, right? He's going to give the portion because the government thinks it's the upper guys thinking, oh, there is a lot. See, our system works, yay. And then they take it. And then guess what happened? What happened to the people when there's only 10 grain of rice per inch or whatever? The people start, what, starving. Then next year comes around. People starve, people die, and all of a sudden, there's time to collect. And then they're saying, okay, what happened? Why are all there's even less people? You know what? People are secretly stealing. People are secretly stealing. We're going to make it. If you tell on somebody that they stole, we will give you a little more grain of rice. And people are starving. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to start telling on each other. Hey, I saw this person. And by the way, when you have that culture, everyone's like, okay, you're scared. Okay, why did that guy look at me the wrong way? I bet you he wants to tell on me and then I'm going to disappear. So then they do what? They're scared. They start telling on people and make things up. And before you know, everyone gets arrested and everything else. And a third of their country was wiped out on the belief that private property is wrong. That this, is, uh, this idea is a worse way of production. By the way, if we have each one individual, there is an incentive for us, Yes. To want to do things better. By the way, how many of us are trying to... We should improve our life, yes? We should try to do things better. By making things, feeding our family, everything else. Getting education. All those things are good incentive. Now, we can have a wrong heart where there's no love for God and love for others. 
but also we could still it could be both love for God and others and also better ourselves and be able to provide for my family and also with others. I bring it up as I say this. I think what I'm teaching is this is important. We need to be able to what work and encourage ways to increase things. Um, one example here. Oh, actually, I think that they'll probably be good enough right now. Um, this is no longer recorded.